Welcome to Indifference Humanity. This is Osteris Oz Miller. I am joined today by a very good friend. Nehemiah is away, so we have Sam Fam here. Yes. Sam, hello. Welcome. Thank, uh, thank you for letting me be on the show. <laughs> of course, of course. So, Samuel, let them know what are we talking about today? Uh, we're talking about reverse racism, I believe. Talking about reverse racism and linguistic terrorism. Mm. Okay. So, Samuel, start us off. Well, um, in my experience, I have grown up in a primarily white section of America, mm-hmm. uh, in the South, in rural, rural Georgia. And being a person of Asian descent, specifically Vietnamese, I have found that in order to be able to fit in, I guess would be the best word, I must reduce my Asianhood to the extent that I become, it becomes novel to entertain those of the majority Interesting, interesting. So we have this case of uh, self-policing here, mm-hmm. as, as Michelle Foucault would say. Um, so you literally reduced yourself. You, you applied a reduction to your heritage, right? Mm-hmm. In order to fit in, not because it necessarily made your life significantly easier, but because you realize that other people would look at you differently and perhaps as a young man you realize that that too much difference in the place where you existed uh could cause problems exactly exactly i can i can point to a time where i was i don't know i'd say like five or six where i was you know i was young um I spoke, but I was able to speak Vietnamese, not well, but as well as a five or six year old can, while also being able to speak English. But I, there were specific words that I only knew in Vietnamese that I couldn't express in English. Mm-hmm. And so I would use them when I was trying to say something. But I realized that after having, having talked to an adult at school who did not speak Vietnamese or who was actually white, they just gave me a funny look and I had to reiterate. I had to find a way to express it within a language they could understand, English. Mm. And so through that interaction, I realized that I had to reduce the amount of other in order to accommodate those who I was surrounded by. And so I was not allowed to express my heritage and thus like like you said self-policed myself and reduced my heritage to nothing indeed indeed or to very minimal excellent excellent well not excellent but intriguing uh so we're gonna continue and then let me explain what reverse racism is because we always do this in the podcast so here we go reverse racism is literally the foil to racism. So if racism is uh, a hegemony, right? Racism is the people in power uh, discriminate against the minorities, right? So legitimately speaking, reverse racism is the minority, the ones who are not in power 
do the opposite, where they discriminate against the hegemony. However, unfortunately, since racism is the hegemony down, top down, reverse racism is an impossibility. It's a self-contradiction. And because we're logical people and we apply the law of non-contradiction, reverse racism, the bottom up, is not racism at all. It's discrimination. So let's just go ahead and establish reverse yeah. racism is not a thing. Mm-hmm. So if that's what you wanted us to say, what you wanted us to agree, it's probably time to leave or stay and learn what we actually do as minorities to attempt to achieve power whenever we do use ad hominems because it's not racism, but we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Samuel? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that definition seems to be pretty pretty accurate i mean i being around like like i said being around white people for such a significant portion of my life almost exclusively i i have begun not have begun but i can take that kind of perspective at times and so when I remember when things like the Charlottesville mm-hmm. like protests happened um there was this idea that because groups like Black Lives Matter were able to protest thus the alt right group felt like they were able to protest about similar issues but taking upon their their side of the argument where they felt like now they were being discriminated because they were not of a minority mm-hmm. identity um and how i know i know i've heard discussions of people talking about how it's easier to be a person of color mm-hmm. or a woman in the hiring force now because white men are just just aren't able to cut it yes because it seems that diversity is one is very important at least Mm -hmm. that's what's Mm -hmm. propagated by the media and so if that's the case then people these individuals feel as if they're being discriminated against because of that and because it feels like discrimination i imagine that they like the idea of racism as discrimination is their through their conception of racism attribute this idea as racism toward white people and thus reverse racism mm. i think yeah yeah i like how you uh broke it down right there to try to embody the other one to empathize right because even the hardest aryan brotherhood member is still human so technically speaking they still have the ability to conduct logic, right? Mm-hmm. Even though they would probably prefer induction where they already know how they're going to reduce someone else's argument or scream louder than the other person to try mm-hmm. to make their argument stronger with force because they're using argument as combat instead of as conversive, you know, uh, the verse, the speaking with another converse, mm-hmm. right? Not against, which is now, you know, converse so it's it's kind of cool how converse is to speak with yeah and converse 
uh, in English is similar to contradict. Mm. It's it's quite interesting. We're going to ask the audience right now to hold the idea of Samuel suppressing his uh, Vietnamese language abilities. We're going to ask you to put that on hold because we're going to get right back to it. And now we're going to dive into, let's talk about Michel Foucault. Okay, Samuel. Mm. Will you explain to the audience what hegemony is? Hegemony? Hegemony is this idea. It's the idea, the, the, a broad idea which, influ, which, has, which is propagated by the dominant party mm-hmm. or dominant group of individuals or however you want to say it. Um, and it's this idea in which all other ideas are filtered through. As is considered, the is considered the lens in which all other ideas are seen through, and thus because of this, ideas which co- coincide with this larger group tend to be elevated, whereas opposition, ideas which oppose this this group and power, are minimalized or attempt to be attempted to be suppressed you have anything else to add to that perfect so we have the hegemonic and then we have the oppositional right so the oppositional is of course a minority and though it's called an opposition it it's not combat in the sense of the word that we know it today like equal sides um because whenever we think about rhetorical combat i think we have this this false enlightenment view of our arguments with other people, like these protests, we go like, well, why can't they just be civil, right? Uh, why are minorities always, you know, it's, mm. you, or why are conservatives always, uh, we have this false sense, right? We're not in an era where the the flanks pull out guns, fire, and then reload and then allow the other flank to fire at them. We're not Mm. in that. We're in a civil war of rhetoric right now. Mm. Like the opposition, the minority, is within the civil war, but they're the Navajo during the civil war. So the two are fighting each other, right? Two parties that are in the hegemony are fighting each other, nitpicking, right, about things. So you have uh, upper middle class uh, white people who are Democrats, upper middle class white people who are conservatives, fighting each other, nitpicking about uh, specificity. And you have mm. minorities who are trying to move up, become incumbents, right? Mm. And then, but they represent the indigenous populations of North America yeah. during the Civil War. So, right, mm-hmm. already seem to be put in line. So, whenever they come out and then fight while the two powers right the two superpowers on the continent are fighting and they dare try to step in on that fight well then you begin to realize it's not just the conservative party that's complicit with the hegemony the democrats are as well though right not not the democrats but some liberals right um are complicit with this as well not in the sense that they are racist right but because they're using similar rhetoric to the other party. Well, we can link this to this the idea of um like black conservatives and how they feel alienated by the Democratic Party because they do not believe that the Democratic Party 
outside you they believe that the democratic party uses black people for their votes without necessarily actually helping them and thus that's why the, we can see like such a rise in in the black conservative move part movement mm-hmm. um and like bringing it back to like hegemony an example which i think is pretty good to explain this is this idea of like stereotypes we have these stereotypes for whether it be black men or women asian people mm-hmm. and whatnot but what can we really say about white people can we reduce them to anything because you could say oh they're hillbillies they marry their cousins mm-hmm. but that's only mm-hmm. a specific white person we don't we cannot we don't come up with generalizations for the entire white people white group of people because we cannot because it's through it's through their power it's through their conception of the world wherein things of difference such as stereotypes of blacks and asians and hispanics can exist Mm -hmm. no no samuel samuel but of course reverse racism is a thing that my neighbor jeffrey got the job over me I'm more qualified than him. Affirmative action. Yeah. Well, we could always know. I'm not against immigration, but I'm I'm I believe in merit-based immigration. If they deserve to be here, they're going to get here. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what mm-hmm. roadblocks they'll come into. Indeed. And people often neglect the socioeconomic status cuz that plays a key role, right? You could have so I remember watching this um, this YouTube documentary about this young man, right? He lives in Sierra Leone. He's a genius, electrical engineer, right? He, his family would never have enough money to send him to a university in America. Mm-hmm. And the universities in, near his village aren't uh, advanced enough because he's already excelled beyond the degrees that they could offer him mm-hmm. just, just from like, actual empirical uh observation and experimentation yeah he supplied power to his entire village in in a place where there's next to no ability to add infrastructure after he was born after the civil war of course Mm -hmm. but imagine this young man you see him apply and you have uh let's say victor aguilar right victor aguilar who is from Guatemala, not Mexico, right? Mm-hmm. And Victor Aguilar's father happens to be a diplomat. Victor Aguilar applies for a visa. And then we have our other young man, let's call him Todd. We have young Todd from Sierra Leone, who also applies for the same visa, right? We and Victor Aguilar went to at an English school, right? So Victor Aguilar speaks with an American accent. Victor Aguilar has money, right? We have Todd, who is from Sierra Leone. Official language, English, but sounds like he speaks another language. You know, whenever he goes up, people are going to say, oh, what country from Sierra Leone? What language do you speak? English. No, no. What language do you, is your first language? English. I only speak English. You know, we'll get back to that linguistic terrorism. Mm. But so, Samuel, let's be honest. Victor, our friend Victor Aguilar from Guatemala, he's lighter skin, right? Mm-hmm. 
He speaks English very well. He's wealthy. He's getting in. He's getting the visa. Most likely, I would imagine. Now, Victor's no slouch. He he's good at electrics, but Victor's no Todd. Todd Todd supplied money to an entire village. Mm-hmm. Victor uh, got into a private school because his dad uh, paid, and he happened to get A's. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Todd can read and write because he taught himself. Todd, once again, wired up a whole village. Yeah. Merit-based? I think not. I'm, I, you're definitely right about that. And it, I'm not, not quite sure what we can do to fix it. Or if there is any easy solution. Um, but there's definitely that element of nepotism or being knowing someone or having the money to know someone mm-hmm. that places one ahead of time, ahead of others. Um, Indeed. Uh, this, this brings up the prima facie, the right of immigration. So I think we've talked about this in a previous podcast. Uh, uh, the word prima facie or the term is Latin for at first glance. So the prima facie right of immigration at first glance uh immigration through asylum is obvious mm. until we look at the caravans on the southern border and then it it's apparently not so obvious anymore mm-hmm. uh immigration for school is obvious until we realize there are people in our country that are getting deported for applying for school because they didn't realize that their parents had them there illegally yeah. interesting um, applying for a work visa and having it filed, but then finding out that your farmhand that filed it didn't actually file it and just told you they did. Now you're working illegally, underpaid. And then you know what? If you still want to get paid, you won't say anything. Interesting. Mm. So the hegemony is that which continues uh, to prop it up, right? The hegemony is not one group. We're not talking about an oligarchy, no conspiracy theory. It's just the complicit nature of individuals who are in power, right? Because you do not wish to lose your power. You pretend as though there's nothing wrong with it. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay. Indeed. So we can go back to, ooh, so we can tie in linguistic terrorism. No, yeah. As well as the prima facie right of immigration. So since we've already mentioned the caravans, uh, coming up on the frontera which is a southern border yeah and then we have the northern border uh with canada our the reason it's called our closest neighbor is not because it's closer any closer than mexico it's let's be honest it's because canadians are mainly white just like americans are mainly white they speak english mm-hmm. uh french canadians speak uh acadian french which happens to be spoken in maine and other places, uh, Vermont, uh, Montana, hmm. magic. Uh, it's almost as though the border doesn't exist because border fluidity until recently was nearly completely permeable. Uh, if you have an advanced driver's license in the northern states, you can travel across, right, and work in Canada. A lot of people work in Canada who live in the northern United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are very few uh, government officials, right? That's that's all on the southern border. Government officials who travel across to work. Yeah. Why? Because the government paying for it is either the Mexican government or 
the United States government. Why does no one ever travel south to work at a normal job like they do travel across north? Because they're not paid well enough. Why? Because the fluidity of border is not that um, permeable as the northern. Because mm-hmm. the hegemony uh, sees an affinity with the northerners, right? With the, the Canadians, because they look like us, they talk like us. They might as well be North United States of America, <laughs> or we might as well be Southern Canada, right? Yeah. This, this, because they, they are white and Americans are white, right? We're obviously talking about the hegemonic fold. Yeah. Right. Um, Mexicans are um, mestizo for the most part, which is a mixture of Spanish and indigenous populations, right? Mm-hmm. Which of which there were dozens of, but now we always talk about Aztec and Maya, and then we just yeah. marginalize the rest as though yeah. there aren't, as though there weren't hundreds of languages spoken below yeah. the border. Uh, we can think of like Roma. I forget the name of her people, but the main actor in that's she's an indigenous. She comes from an indigenous group within mm-hmm. Mexico. Yeah. Um, Rome is actually a brilliant example because it was the 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 father, right? The one in the house who also worked in Texas. He was a doctor, right? Mm-hmm. And he also worked in Texas. And we could tell that that the parents, right? Remember at the event that happened in Roma where they where the woods caught on fire? They were all mm-hmm. speaking English because they all worked for the US government. Yeah. And their children were speaking English until they talked to the the workers, the servants. Then they were speaking in Spanish because mm-hmm. that's the that's the prowess of the hegemony. The hegemony has the ability to allow their lang- their children to learn a lesser language. But whenever the other people of the so-called lesser languages speak in the language of the hegemony, they always right are mocked for speaking it incorrectly or vulgarly. Right, mm-hmm. the linguistic terrorism. You can't speak your own language because I don't want to learn it. But as soon as you speak my language. I can understand it, mm. right? So we we can talk about Anzaldua. So yeah. we have Gloria Anzaldua, who, yeah. who wrote Taming of a Wild Tongue. I read this when I was in high school. In her book, Borderlands, mm-hmm. Mount Borders? Yeah. Frontiers, yeah, yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do. Where is Anzaldua from? I, um, she is from, I what? believe, Texas. She's from Texas. She's a Chicano. She's a Chicana. She's a Chicana. Yeah, okay. let me not take her agency away from her. Indeed. I believe she's passed away, unfortunately. Oh, no. But um, she released one large book. I don't remember the name currently. It's Borderlands, I'm pretty sure. Borderlands, or, Borderlands. Okay. For, something to do with boundaries. I know that. Um, Borderlands, ah, Frontera. Yeah, Frontera. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the southern border. Okay, that makes sense. Um, But she talks about... She primarily her writings are about Chicano identity mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. its imposition, imposition, or we'll roll with it. What the, its middle place within two cultures? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's are oh, the liminal space. Yeah, it's in between English and Mexican cultures. Mm-hmm. It it's in this note. It's not quite one or the other, but it's its own, but it has its foot in both. So mm-hmm. 
those of English speaks English speaking descent. Mm, Anglophones. Yeah. Will consider their English not good enough. And will and those of purely Latin speaking mm-hmm. history will see their English, I mean, their Spanish as not gr- good enough. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so because they use this mixture of both English and Spanish within their, yeah. their language, the Chicano language, they are in this impasse of never not being quite enough either? either yeah not being quite either thus excluded from both mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah this is this is brilliant so they exist as both but as neither so they represent the liminal phase of existence right the middle ground the in between and now we can jump to right we're going to continue on this we're going to jump to the northern border and we're going to jump right back home into America. And then we're going to talk about um, uh, biracial, multiracial uh, children and how they exist in the liminal phase. Mm. So let's, let's continue with the frontera. So you have a language propagated by a hegemony that no longer exists. Uh, the hegemony uh, that created it. Uh, Spanish, right? Mm-hmm. Spanish empire is no longer involved that heavily in south america it's still Mm -hmm. a kingdom but obviously mexico and all countries are free um however the people who are usually elected right are not not um are usually lighter right more Mm -hmm. spanish looking Mm -hmm. right um speak spanish well and don't speak uh, indigenous language yeah um they literally represent the the hegemony that once was and then you have lower class people who are typically darker and look more indigenous and they speak another language, maybe three. And then in, in contemporary times, that is in Mexico, that, that, that plays an interesting uh, dynamic, right? Because now knowing a lot of languages is seen as being genius, right? Unless you learn what are so-called useless languages mm. that very few people speak. Oh, I want to learn French. I want to learn Spanish, right? Large global languages. Mm-hmm. But if you ever tell anyone, I want to learn uh, Cantonese, right? Why would you not just learn Mandarin? They, they'll be able to understand you, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's that disrespect, right? Oh, why would you learn uh, Wolof whenever you can just speak French everywhere in old French diaspora? Mm. Why would you learn Mandinka whenever you can just speak French, right? Mm-hmm. Or why would you learn Malagasy when you can speak English or French? Yeah. Also, it happens in the, the British Isles. Why would you learn Manx or Gaelic or, you know, uh, Cornish, any of those indigenous languages, whenever you can just speak the language of the Anglicans that was infused with the French from the Normans? Why? Mm. They're white too. And then that's, therein lies a problem. Because white is so pervasive of a term, right? It's so maniacal. White or black, it, it compartmentalizes and it recapitulates what we think about uh, ethnicity, right? It is, it is grievous. It is a grievous 
redress of what a culture is. Mm-hmm. In America, eliminating ethnicity was the greatest thing for the hegemony. All black people are just black. You you lose the records of slaves. Mm-hmm. They no longer know where they come from exactly. In theory, you've just created a massive machine against the hegemony. Yeah. In fact, you have a lot of people that find difference, tiny differences. Oh, he's from a different city. He's from a different gang. You form new tribes, right? Yeah. And then thus the hegemony, whenever people join together, what do you have to do? Oh, the fragility that exists with the hegemony Mm -hmm. is exasperated. Oh, no, they're joining together. (sighs) If they get equality, right, for some reason, it's always equality for them. They already have subordination for me. Yeah. Oh, you're right. They already have equality. They can vote. And then it's always they. As soon as you attack them, hey, 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 I'm not a part of a group. I'm an individual. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Don't attack me. I'm a person. I'm not a racist. You guys. Oh, wow. You can be the individual. But now I'm you guys. Now Mm. I'm in a group because I happen to share the same skin color. Dang. Right. Mm. So typically when other people immigrate who are of African descent, right, they say I'm Hausa. Maybe they say I'm Nigerian, right? I'm Nigerian or I'm, I'm Wolof. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'm Senegalese, right? They will never say, Oh, I'm not black because they see what the hegemony does as soon as you're black. Right. I have even seen this in the workplace, right? Yeah. Introduction. Oh, this is a, this is Takunda. Ah, Hey, Takunda. Takunda is from Zimbabwe. Ah, 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 cool, cool. So you like speak a bunch of languages? Automatically, it's cool. It's that exoticism. Yeah. Because it's not an American black. That's a different type of black. Exactly. Comes from, yeah, It instead of someone who is of, who who has the history, which those in the hegemony would want to downplay we've moved past slavery we it's been yay amount of years it's been over a hundred years now get since over like, it. yeah get over it you never experienced it um and it yeah fetishizes this idea that someone from another country who may look the same but they're from another country and thus they're different Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and thus we should be able we should see what they have to say yet still reducing a individual of possibly similar descent Mm -hmm. but but in the difference is that they that individual's ancestors were forcibly taken to america whereas someone who comes an immigrant right now came by choice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. assumably and so it's it's a very difficult thing and even like i'd like like even relating it back to myself even like first and first generation immigrants like myself i am the first in my family are my my parents immigrated so i'm the first generation of my family as long as well as my cousins and my sister to be American, fully American, mm-hmm. 
their entire life and enjoy the benefits of having being in this land, but also being able to recognize more obviously the otherness that being a minority in America is about that my parents, for example, reduce as they see America as an inviting place somewhere mm-hmm. that's nice, that was better than their homeland that they had to escape from. Um, and so they do not see that when, for example, I remember having a conversation with my mother about race in the workforce and how I was I was curious on whether or not race had anything to do with her or how she identified had any effect on her workplace and the, her relationships. And she said that, no, it wasn't. It wasn't weird because there was all sorts of minorities, Indian people, lots of Asians, some white people, some black people. But it's interesting how they even separate like diverse groups from, say, primarily a white workspace mm-hmm. and then have that kind of segregation. Or at least from the way she, she was telling me, it seemed to be that uh, some sort of case like that where she may have some white work co-workers but my, primarily there were like minority workers which does not reflect the workforce of America and thus they had if there were so many of those minorities they had to be all grouped together mm-hmm. in one department it's, so it seems as if that would be intentional rather than like something that just happened yeah yeah it's um it's appeasement right we'll give you a little so you don't take a lot you know it's um it's going through like all these things so i always regress to like roots the film i i watched Mm -hmm. as a as a young man i think a lot of people have seen roots um well we'd we'd be surprised uh there's some people who haven't seen roots who are probably uh some people who we're addressing right now. Yeah. Um, so anywho, so like my mother is full American. Uh, yeah, I identify heavily with America. My father is not. I I exist in a sort of liminal stage, right? Both my parents are, are brown skin. So I'm just an American black. Anytime I'm talking about any subject, it's all fun and games. Blacks in America accept me because I can talk like them. Uh, I can go and talk with the best of the hegemony so I can move around. I never neglect what I am, though. I never tell people, right? It's easy, but it's not Mm. best for me, right? This is like, let's go ahead and jump in with mixed race or biracial people in North America. So it's liminal stage. So um, upon talking to some young people uh, throughout the United States, Sam Fem and I are pretty well traveled. Uh, Still a little bit. Yeah. So we, we find uh, that sometimes you have, and it usually goes along these lines, not always, but I have noticed that mixed young men affiliate with being black, right? Yeah. Being hard, right? The American black stereotype, 
right? Yeah. Mixed young women, biracial young women, affiliate with being white, super effeminate and saying, oh, I'm not black. I'm not white. I'm both. And the young men going like, I'm black. Mm. Or sometimes, some every now and again, right? I, it's a toss up, right? The young women will affiliate being black and then people accept them. But then, then there's also this, this vicious regress that happens once yeah. again, that you, some people can pass. A lot of people choose not to pass, even though they can yeah. they establish that they're black. The problem becomes whenever people can pass and they do. And then one day they want to, I'm biracial. There's a singer who does this. I don't want to mention her name, but people dislike her mm -hmm. because whenever if if it never came up in conversation, she would never mention that she was biracial mm -hmm. until it aided in like getting her somewhere. Yeah. But like I don't find a problem with that necessarily. It would be the the saying I am white instead of saying I am multiracial. Because nearly all humans are multiracial, right? Yeah. We're all human. So like they're like no subspecies of humans, regardless of what yeah. some scientific racists would say. Mm -hmm. There are no subspecies. I mean, we have phenotypic differences, but whenever we get down to the DNA and then we start comparing it to other species, it would be you'd be hard pressed to dare say that another ethnicity had a significant difference beyond like filial um specialization. So like you have people who live in uh Southeast Asia and uh yeah in Melanesia who are more capable of swimming um because they their eyes adapt better underwater than Europeans. Mm. I attribute this to familial lines. You, yeah the people would be in that environment and then they would have children over yeah and over time over time that's adaptation that's yeah. not that's not any big difference yeah. so we have uh people who exist as um so we have people that exist in this liminal stage right getting yeah. back to north america where i'm black and I'm white, or you have, I'm neither, which is what I've heard a lot, yeah. which is a cop-out, typically because they were raised, right? I've, I've witnessed five, I think, individuals who are like this, that were raised by their grandparents who happened to be white. Mm -hmm. And they identify as, I am, I'm neither. They don't say I'm both, they say I'm neither. And then yeah. you can tell they have the mannerisms that are appropriated by the hegemony for white people but they stay in a different kind of line mm -hmm. and then there's this other right i'm just going to try to break it down from empiricism right these are not facts these are observation based and i don't have a full uh sample size yeah so i'm just going to go with experience right now yeah. i i typically anecdotal yeah i typically don't go for a posteriori but in this instance i think it's helpful so you typically have the 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 individual right we're not saying the group the individual who might have been raised by white grandparents who identifies more with being white but will say they're neither because mm -hmm. it's safe bet because they know in the place where they live if they dare say they're white you'll be like you're not you're half and then insert word yeah uh, insert ethnicity indeed uh then we have people who are raised by black grandparents where the black grandparents tell them Oh yeah, baby, you're both. And then they'll say, I'm both. 
mm-hmm. which is with which is a healthier alternative, right? The you typically, right, because the black grandparents know of the hegemony, they existed during the civil rights movement, right? Yeah. So they know how pervasive the type of discrimination against colored children, to to use a South African term, against yeah. mixed race children is. Yeah. Um, and then we have, of course, the type raised by their parents. So if you have both parents, you can say I'm both. Yeah. Right. Typically, if you have a black father, you're going to say I'm both. If you have a black mother, you're going to say I'm both or mm-hmm. you'll say I'm black. If you're raised solely by a black parent, clearly you affiliate with being black. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed if you're raised by one white parent, um, if the parent was lost, like died, then you identify as black mm-hmm. because they want you. Right. That's the person who they loved. Yeah. Who who is lost. You embody. Right. A convergence of that love. So you literally are. You're you're black. Okay. Yeah. 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 Does that make sense? Yeah. Um. One question. Mm-hmm. So within the space of black and white mm-hmm. that you're saying, is there any clean cut way to like. Determine. Well, not even determine, but like distinguish mixed race. Like, should we include boxes on? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Or should as because as as you were saying, it's either it seems to me that it's one extreme or the other. Yeah. Because they don't fit in. Because I've been in circles with um mixed race people, Mm -hmm. um, and whenever they're around. Say we'll say this individual is a mixed black mm-hmm. and white. It, in a circle of black friends, he'll they'll dismiss them as too white, too white. Mm-hmm. And in a circle mm-hmm. of black friends, I mean white friends, they'll dismiss him as being black. Yeah, because he's a safe minority for the for the black uh, friends. I've I've been in circles like this as well. The, the biracial or multiracial um, mm-hmm. individual will be seen as black. And then it's like a sort of like a, a passive joke yeah. to say, oh, oh, you're white. It's like, it's, it, oh, we can talk about this case in Jamaica that I once heard about, um, but we'll continue here. And then all throughout the Caribbean, it's even happened uh, mm-hmm. to me where, uh, so in this group of friends, you know, oh, He's just white, right? That's a joke because he has an ability, right? Right? A sort of a sort of passing ability, a phase shifter, where he yeah. can go and hang out with the other ones and they don't question when he yeah. sits down, right? He has that ability. And that's sort of like a joke, right? Amongst black people. Whenever I see white people do it, however, because they're a product of the hegemony, mm-hmm. right? Th- this is this is not to generalize, but in the cases that we've probably seen, right? Yeah, they, they'll they'll like drop the N word and then look over their shoulder to make sure that that their mixed friend didn't react, and then they'll use that friend as a token. Oh, oh, my black friend, uh, my or my my friend blank is black. Now he's black. Now he's wholly black. He's no longer mm-hmm. mixed, right? But if he got upset, oh, why why should you care? You're 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 mixed. It, yeah. it doesn't really affect you that much. But as soon as you can say it in front of actual black people, right? This is the liminal phase between the white person and then you have your mixed friend, right? 
And then in the following situation, whenever you're around black people, when you say and you get called out, right, as a white person, but my friend who is now black, now mm-hmm. you've made the jump to his full blackness, even though you yeah. acknowledge it before. And he's sort of an Einstein Rosen bridge that allows you to cross the racial divide of linguistic terrorism. Now you believe that you have the right to use the N word mm-hmm. because you had a mixed friend or even a fully black friend who happened to be socialized or just at the moment did not really feel like causing drama, which is yeah. typically what happens. It's yeah. not because they're, they're too white. It's because yeah. they don't want to cause a problem. Yeah. Right. So they just sit there. They're not okay with it. Mm-hmm. They just don't say anything about it. Yeah. So you've crossed the bridge, so to speak, using them as a stepping stone to get to where you can incite a racial cause. And then you're like, excellent. Now I can say it in music. I can do everything. Yeah. Right. So, Where, oh, go ahead. Oh, so what about individuals who say grown, who grew up in similar circumstances? So I was watching this documentary <laughs> the, the other day. Um, and there's this Asian rapper who says the N word in his yeah. music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he grew up w- w- in the same areas and with individual uh, black individuals who use this word on a, regular basis Mm -hmm. and he uses them with them as well as other asian individuals Mm -hmm. and so is it is it all right or this is and that's that's a brilliant question samuel right right so so for like someone and unfortunately i have to do this to you for like someone like you who's grown up with almost exclusively with white people yeah there are no such thing as passing like passes, like people go like, oh, I'll give them a pass. I hate when people say that. There is no pass because the word, the N-word was used as as a, a demeaning term to to slaves, to, yeah. to blacks, right? To And people always go like, it just means dirty. And I was like, cool, if it just means that, why are you saying that to one of your friends? Mm-hmm. Well, like, it just means lazy. Why are you saying that to oh. one of your friends? Um, it, it does not mean that. I mean, yeah. we, could, we could go to the old French and find out everything it means. If you say it with a soft R or or a hard R or a soft A, it's it's still the same word, right? Just yeah. because I say it differently. If I say the word hello, just, hello, I'm still saying hello and the intent is still the same. I'm just modifying it because I think that you will, will not notice it, right? Mm-hmm. That's the reason why they do that. So whenever we go and refine it to your specific example, yeah. like somebody who is was raised around black people right if this person fully identifies with being black right this yeah. person has the tattoos this person's a rapper stigma who are we talking about is this trippy red no uh it, this rapper is uh still young or something like that still young okay so, i don't i don't remember the name specifically. so if this rapper if 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 this rapper walks into a uh a fancy restaurant with black people did they kick him out as well how does he look? He looks as he looks like someone who's tattooed. Okay. He's okay. Tattooed. So this is somebody who gets profiled. Dressed dressed like the culture, I guess. Okay. If, perfect. So this man raised along with them. He doesn't have money from his parents, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect. This man raised alongside black people. He has tattoos, which is accustomed to the modern rap uh, yeah. movements, right? This person in music, in relation to his friends, I'm not giving him a pass 
I'm saying this person uh, suffers from as much prejudice as it. So I'm going to give him a discursive um, analogy. So he has an analog to the Asian in a black subset will say it. I'm not saying he can say it. Mm. I'm saying he will say it. Yeah. Okay. So you see, I'm not giving a pass. I'm saying he will say it and mm. I, I probably won't say anything. To yeah. Him. It wouldn't be surprising. Yeah. I'm not, I, I'm not saying anything to him if he says it. Yeah. Cause, cause understanding is, and I hate having to use once again, experience, but having experience this, this lifestyle where he has to live under yeah. fear of discrimination. Mm -hmm. Right. Because he, he also runs the risk of getting shot if pulled over with all these tattoos. Yeah. So he looks dangerous. Like my friends who are in the in the Navy and the Marines, they're half Filipino, half white. Mm -hmm. And they hang out with mostly black people. They hung out with me at high school. Yeah. So these guys don't say the N-word. But if they did, right, we went to a white high school, yet they still did not hang out with white people. They hung out with us. Yeah. Right? Not to say that. Of course, I hung out with everyone, but uh, these people, if these individuals, right, my, my friends were to say it, I don't think I would be upset because they lived in a, in a place that was surrounded by black people in commerce. Yeah. Okay? So these guys don't have a pass, but if they say it, I don't say anything to them. Yeah. Right. Whereas if I see some, some Asian kid named uh, whatever his name be. Some some Asian person who was raised in a politically gerrymandered uh, place, right? Yeah. Went to a, a private school. Sorry, Samuel. Yeah. Uh, it happens. Around all white people. I'm gonna have to slap him. I don't. I don't like violence, but someone's not gonna hit me with. I'm also a minority. I can say it because that is not good. Because if somebody call someone the the c word that that refers to asians mm -hmm. where they always pull their eyes uh wide and yeah. it says that i am a minority i cannot say that yeah but right but but the n word has more weight than that yeah definitely because i i wouldn't say that i necessarily get offended if someone were to say that yeah, yeah you see you see there are some people who would be right which they're entitled to because that's but it doesn't have the same history, right? Yeah. It's uh, just making fun of yeah, yeah. the way someone looks. Yeah, which is an ad hominem, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not an ad populum. It's not attacking the whole people. Yeah. The whole group, right? Whenever you attack um some whenever you call someone the N-word, you you are going through their culture, a culture you don't understand. Whereas this guy, this this um Asian rapper, right? Mm -hmm. He was in the culture. So he's yeah. not attacking anything. He's addressing someone who has an affinity for him. He he was raised in this place, right? Yeah. Right? Rice gum, can't say it. Rich Brian, obviously wouldn't say it. He, not, he had a song with in, it, indeed, his first song. But, but also in living in uh, Indonesia, right? Yes, and he said, which is why he changed his name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, which is why he changed his name, because he felt like, after after learning everything, right, he felt like he was young and he was dumb. He said this in, in an interview, yeah. right? He said that he was young and he was dumb and he didn't understand yeah. the, the severity of what he was saying. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because even though he's a he he's Chinese, he's Chinese Indonesian. So 
Uh, is he? He's Filipino Indonesian. No, I'm. I'm. I'm not quite sure. I know he's um, Indonesian. I believe he is. He is Indonesian. Or but he's lighter than um, uh, than what is typically associated with Indonesia. Yeah. Um. I'm not quite sure, but we. We we can go with that for now. We can fact check. Okay. That. We'll we'll fact check that at the end of the show. We'll fact check that. Um but so Brian uh lives in Indonesia where the term was not prevalent at all because oh, yeah, Indonesia yeah. was colonized by the Dutch. Yeah. And then later became English speaking as well as Malaysia. But thus his only exposure to the word is, is through, through music. Music and the internet. Indeed. And its dissemination or and the context in which yeah, yeah. those are used. So this doesn't help anything, right? Whenever people do this, because it's it's not propagation of subaltern speak. We're not using the hegemony. We're not a hegemonic uh, a hegemonic society or uh, an individual in the hegemony, like amplifying the speech of a minority, so to speak. Mm-hmm. We're not amplifying anything. We're saying it, but it's reductory. It doesn't assist with anything. Yeah. Does that make sense? So like this rapper will say it once again, I have to use the affirmative because I will not say can say it. Right. Because I prefer that no one use it because I know the full etymology of the word and I know how heinous it is, how pervasive through society. But the reason why people in the hegemony would love to use it is because they can say, well, everyone else can use it. I can too. It's, it's just along with this fragility, man. Yeah. If someone has a right and you don't, then what do we have? We have uh, desire. We have envy. We have envy, mm-hmm. jealousy. So if they have the freedom of speech to say it, why can't I? Because now this is hate speech. But why is it not hate speech when they do it? Okay. That's that's me walking up to a a a man who's in a tribe, right, mm-hmm. and saying hello, uh, and then addressing him by his tribe whereas if i go to like lakota territory and call someone a sioux Mm -hmm. all right um sioux is the apache word i believe for snake Mm. so even calling them lakota sioux instead of knowing whether they're lakota nakota or dakota Mm -hmm. is in and of itself offensive maybe perhaps not anymore Mm -hmm. but because the 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 other tribes propagated the term sioux to the American hegemony, and now their tribe is called Lakota Sioux, is inherently, anytime anyone speaks about the Sioux to me, mm-hmm. sounds like an attack on their very existence. Perhaps it's not perceived like that about anyone else. Mm-hmm. See, I have this privilege now to talk about the Sioux whenever we don't have any Sioux anywhere near us. Yeah. Right? Any of the Lakota, Nakota, Dakota, right? Yeah. Because I, I don't even feel comfortable saying Sioux. It's easier. It, it doesn't matter whether it's easier for me. Mm-hmm. What What is the difference? I take three seconds longer to say all of the tribes. That's unfortunate, but at least I'm not uh, shitting on someone's culture not to get too vulgar. Mm-hmm. Yeah? You're reducing their culture. Yeah. Yeah. So now I will bring up, as I told you, we brought up the linguistic terrorism. Yeah. Now we're going on. We're getting pretty close to the end. We're almost yeah. there, Samuel. We're almost there. All right. Yeah. Now we can jump to the, I heard about in in Jamaica, obviously in the rest of the Caribbean as well. 
So we're typically dark, um, dark people. Right? Yeah. But whenever a child is born light, like an elder, an older person in the community, you'll be like, oh, oh, that baby can pass. Get him inside. Hmm. Right, right. Because it's not that we hate being black. It's that um, being light, right, as a product of the hegemony mm-hmm. in, in Africa, right? Because we in, in the Caribbean, we have the negritude movement, mm. uh, the negritude movement, which is um, black excellence, right? Yeah. It, it's uh, black is better. So then we have hoteps and emoteps and we, we continue through that. Mm. But in, in the Caribbean, which is still a product of the hegemony, mm-hmm. right, we have where, ooh, wide sargassa sea where we have lighter people having more power existing in a liminal stage right yeah between the hegemony right you're not necessarily white and if you are white you're still lesser than the highest white mm-hmm. and you have crails and then later on mixed cajun people so if you're if you're born lighter than the rest oh my he, he we need to keep him light and then at some points, they don't know why they're doing that because it's just something that they learned throughout history. Oh, lighter kids are for some reason better. Yeah. But that's, that serves as a hegemony, right? Mm-hmm. Breeding out the, the Negro, breeding out the darkness, mm. right? So that, that, that's in and of itself. That, that kid will probably get a better job as well yeah. from all black, an all black. It's not just a white thing, an all black um office space will hire him above why because he could be the international affiliate there you go he looks like he's a safe minority right he's a safe Mm. minority yeah yeah what let me let me think what is another example well drawing upon this safe minority kind of thing we can see this in like you know tokenism of Mm. um people of ethnicity whether it be a token black friend token asian friend token latinx friend Mm -hmm. whatever um we can we can see it and as a way to point towards not being racist or yeah not being racist even though Typically, when we have those these token friends, they're typically socialized to suppress or minimalize their own ethnicity mm-hmm. and thus are operating within the hegemony of, yeah, just operating within the hegemony in ways that are more socially appealing rather than necessarily true to the history their history um and speaking of like personal example i can i can talk about like the ways in which through interacting with white people at school so in school i used to when i was younger you know make be ashamed of my parents and be ashamed Mm. of my ethnicity and even make fun of those of similar ethnicity to me in public Mm. um not necessarily people i knew but strangers i would 
I remember instances where I would be walking in a mall and I would see like an Asian family that looked, you know, how Asian families look. <laughs> that's probably that's problematic, but they're they're not quite operating within this white space as a white person would or as someone who who necessarily is completely integrated into the hegemony mm -hmm. and thus they stick out and i remember making poking jokes at them and like oh wow an insult would be they're so asian i i know among like many asian youth these days that that is kind of kind kind of an insult like, i don't know um... Like, ABA, like American-born Asian? Yeah. I At least in the circles that I've been, in the very few circles that I've been, mm -hmm. where it's completely Asian, um, American-born Asian, like, spaces, which, yeah, I, I can't say that I've been in very many, but that 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 was used as an insult. They're like, oh, ha-ha, they're so Asian, or... Our, my parents are so Asian mm -hmm. um, as it's as something that's not desirable um, and even to like mimic an Asian accent and as a way to make fun of it. Yeah. Even yeah. though that's just the way that individuals speak and it's not necessarily something that's important because it's, you can still understand them. Mm -hmm. It's just because that their primary language is different than English and uses typically more tonal styles of like tonal vocal st structures or patterns. That's how the language comes out or like that's how the language translates, mm -hmm. I guess, mm -hmm. or their, their voices yeah, translate. Yeah. The same thing happens in like uh, in France versus uh like people from africa mm -hmm. so they learn french in a way they learn french in school right yeah because of the hegemony you yeah. can get a job somewhere else you can go to university here yeah as long as you continue the language of colonialism yeah but then they speak french right to to my friends from the congo right yeah uh their parents speak french as though they're speaking Swahili. Yeah. They 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 have the same syllabic structure Swahili. Mm -hmm. And it looks like they they like took out the Swahili words, had the spaces, and dropped the French words over. Hmm. And then it's like they like split some words in half or they like run words together. Yeah. So they have the same intonation as Swahili. And to me, it sounds brilliant. Yeah. Right? So mixing it's, of the cultures. That's, that's a syncretism. And it it sounds melodic. And to me, it sounds better. Their accents erotic mm -hmm. to to French people who can very well understand them. They pretend like they can't. Yeah, and then but then there's also like accents that are like fetishized. Mm -hmm. So say like a British accent, even though yeah. British accents are, um, you know, they also already speak English. But mm -hmm. we can think of like Latin accents as begin like starting to be more and more fetishized I, yeah. I i at least i've noticed yeah um but it's specifically spanish and not mexican yeah exactly and so like i it seems it, it seems apparent to me that it's not necessarily that there is an accent but that 
it's an accent that does not reflect a white culture or mm-hmm. a white hegemony. Yeah, yeah. Our our white hegemony. Yeah. That it's not American, but it's still white. Yeah. Because right? I don't hear people going like, oh, oh my God, a Kenyan accent. How hot. But then, oh my God, an Italian accent who mm. happens to be brown, but also looks white enough. Yeah. You know, you don't hear people. Oh, an Arabic accent. That's hot. No, they usually say that's guttural and disgusting. Yeah. Even well, sometimes they say that about German, but uh, in these parts where we are, the as long as it's white, it's right. Yeah. You know, I can see that. So basically, Samuel, we, we're talking about this reverse racism, right? And so its prevalence is non-existent because it's not a real thing. Yeah, we definitely just talked about how <laughs> yeah. racism and how operating within like this hegemony or just this space of white culture mm-hmm. um doesn't allow for necessarily reverse racism to exist yeah there's most certainly reverse discrimination but there is no power to that discrimination right whenever somebody uh calls me the n-word right yeah i can say it doesn't hurt yeah but other white people around some of them are giggling on the inside yeah right, right? black people around feel offended yeah and want to retaliate the only problem is there is no word that retaliates exactly i yeah. can i can say them because they're not they're not offensive you, you pretend as though they're offensive pink skin i feel is a bit offensive mm-hmm. obviously it doesn't have the same weight as the n-word Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's probably the the only one that I could see having offense because it refers to the undertone of the skin. But yeah. calling someone blurple, I feel, or black, purple, because they're dark. Well, that man's darker than midnight, and then you're not black, right? Because mm-hmm. the colorism in in that that's pervasive throughout minority groups, right? Even Asians, right? You have your Hollywood Asian, which is light skin, then you have your jungle Asian which people call Filipinos mm-hmm. and people eat uh, west of Burma. So like Indians and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't like that either. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, see, so colorism exists, right? But that's not reverse racism. That's within our own communities and it needs to stop. Yeah. But like, I agree. But like reverse racism is not a thing. I'm sorry to tell you. It is not a thing. Let's say it one more time. It's not a thing. It's not. It's quite silly. Okay. So hopefully you listen this far. This is In Defense of Humanity. We thank Samuel Pham for joining us. Yeah. Thanks uh, for having me on. Nehemiah was busy doing a public policy exam. Uh, so, yeah, that's In Defense of Humanity. Thank you. See ya. Later. <laughs>